Welcome to Anchor.fm by Spotify, the home of Via Podcast. I am your host, Sharon Gully. As always, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to Via Podcast's three-month series, Who Am I? October's part of the series will be I Survived to Become, in honor of October being Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And to this month, we are also going to add the series part of child abuse, because I feel that it's so very important for this message to reach as broad of a span as it can. Via Podcast is an advocate against domestic violence and child abuse, and this month we will be spotlighting some amazing women who beat all of the odds to become powerful entrepreneurs and advocates against domestic violence and child abuse through their work, speaking, sharing their story, and so much more. All four women have their very own and different story of overcoming the darkness of abuse and becoming a beacon of light for others. We will also have a special surprise guest speaker each month sharing their powerful insights with us. Bio Magazine will be supporting these amazing women by spotlighting them and their work in the world. So be sure to check out Bio Magazine at anyflip.com to learn more about their amazing journey. Today, we have a returning guest here on Be A Podcast. We have Miss Candace Nadine Breen from Providence, Rhode Island. Candace has a master's degree in human services, focusing on marriage and family counseling, a master's degree in science, and a doctorate in metaphysics. And she is a metaphysical minister, among many other unlisted things today. Let's welcome Miss Candace Nadine Breen, everyone. Thank Good you. morning, Candace. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. We, welcome. We are delighted to see and to speak with you again. Yes, I'm glad to be here. Always a pleasure, Sharon. Well, I, I just want to say thank you before we get started for being a part of our series mm-hmm. and for sharing your story. I believe sharing your story is important, don't you? Yes, you know the. I found that the more we, sh- the more I've shared my story. At first, I was nervous, but the more that I shared my uh, story through writings, public speaking, um, various interviews, then more people who were afraid came out. They it, it encouraged them. They came out and would sometimes approach me and say, thank you. Now I know that I'm not the only one. Now I know there is hope. There is light after the darkness. And it's just so important. It creates a community of support, whether it's virtual, whether it's in in person. But it's so crucial that that there are a few brave souls to share their story, to help those who are in hiding, who feel ashamed, who are depressed, who are suicidal, who, who just need that encouragement so they know that they can go on. Absolutely. I know your book is called After the Darkness. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit with us about that story? Yes. Your own personal journey yes well it's it's been a lifetime journey i i remember 
after the darkness started as journals when I was uh, 13, um, I I thought that right I had no one to talk to, and I was living with my abuser, my father, one of my abusers, it turned out to be, and so I began I began writing this journal, but I I remember as I was, I would get so, I was still so close to it. It was still going on that I would just tear it up and flush it, flush the pages of loose leaf, the loose leaf pages down the toilet because I was so angry at scribble and it was not the right time. It was not the right time for me to, to write it. I mean, it, it ended up being 20 years of trying wow. to get it together, trying to, um, I, I, I did blog. I did a blog about it called after the darkness I think it was after the darkness. Uh, and then I had some, some people would, would uh, say, so when you write in a book <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know yet, but it'll come. So one day in 2018, I just said, it's time. And I knew it was time. I felt it was time spirits were telling me it's time my ancestors it's time and so you, you would say that this is how you overcame and fought that adversity with sharing mm -hmm. your story was just pushing through it yeah so, and becoming the amazing woman you are today from it well well thank you but <laughs> yes it took it took a you know I had prep before then I had I I joined I was I became a member of the rape abuse incest national network in Washington D.C. and they they sent me out on the road <laughs> to give talks to you know I was in People magazine even once and uh at I was at state houses I was on uh various even podcasts and uh, radio, you know, old, old school radio <laughs> and television speaking about uh, domestic violence, child abuse. And because I've, I've, go I've endured, I've survived all of those. I'm a survivor of all of those rape, abuse, incest, all of that. And ch child mm -hmm. abuse as well. So speaking and the support of the various communities was very encouraging to me. Um, people coming up out of the, when I did live stuff, people coming out of the, the audience and saying, thank you for sharing your story. I remember when I, I shared at the Rhode Island State House during an event they had, Walk a Mile in Her Shoes, I was one of the speakers. And I looked into the audience and I saw some kids that I went to. Well, they're not, they weren't kids anymore. They're adults. I saw some people who were in my high school classes who, who didn't even know. And they knew that I had a terrible father, but they had no idea. No, because it's I, usually silent, right? It's such I a was, silent thing. It is silent. And it was, in, and you're embarrassed too. You're embarrassed too. Um, I mean, when I was in, when I was in eighth grade, someone found out and they twisted it to say that I was having sex with my father. And then the rumors spread that I was this uh, promiscuous person doing mm. this stuff that I uh, somehow 
made it happen. And then the boys got a hold of it in class of the rumor in class. And that was it for me. They were all, I was treated like I was this awful promiscuous person, excuse me. Um, and sorry. No, you and, okay. Oh, I'm fine. And, um, that's what happened. So, and, and then as an adult, when I, I, I lost a lot of friends when I started speaking, there was one who, who was a friend of mine who had said, I had known her for a long time. And she had said for me, we both were adults with children and married with children. And she has said, don't, don't, I don't want you around my family. Um, I don't want you talking that stuff to my kids as if I would talk to little kids about what I went through. I hadn't even talked to my own and mine were, mine were infants. Wow. And, um, so, you know, you know, and then it turned to find out she had gone through some stuff too, and she just wasn't ready to face it. Yeah. But when I came out with the book in 2018, after the darkness, um, it changed a lot of people's lives. Um, a lot of people's eyes were opened because the book is very explicit. I, I, I find that sugarcoating stuff and, and, and it, it just, it doesn't, it, it was sugarcoating. It was not helping anyone. No, it's not allowing the message to get out. You you have to be real and, 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 and bold and just lay it out there the way it was. So you, the language that it was in the language that it was, and that's what I've done in my, in my book. And I cried all through it. <laughs> it took me two weeks to sit down finally and just do the whole thing. It only took me two weeks, but it was day and night. I ate, slept and read, you know, my book. That's what it was. It was me writing. I, I told, I told my family, all right, I'm going into a zone for two weeks. You can't, don't expect anything from me. There'll be a lot of crying. I'll be in my, my workroom writing. Don't bother me. <laughs> I need it two weeks and that's what I did it was it was it was it was healing because I was crying and getting it out and I when I was done and I said okay I don't want to look at it anymore so I I hired, I hired editors and and people to you know go through it and then I had to read it again afterwards to make sure it was the way I want in the language and the way I wanted it to be and I wanted it to be accessible to everyone, which is why it's on Kindle and it's also an audio book. And it is my most, it's still today. I mean, I've, I've written since then 21 more books wow. and, <laughs> and it is still my most popular book, the, the most, the highest selling book and the leading sales are the audio sales and when I do in-person stuff, uh, you know, at book fairs or whatever, that's, you know, that's, that's the best seller. Um, but it was, it was very healing when I got it all out. You, you know, when I cried and wrote it, I felt, oh, I did it. And it was something that was necessary. Yes. It doesn't mean that it was over. But it was something I found that it was very necessary to to get it out because I felt that I was living, still reliving the nightmares and um, the trauma 
And I want to, and, and, and once it came out and people would say, you know, you're beautiful, this, you're not, you're, you're not these experiences that these things that were done to you, you're not that. And I needed to hear that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, I really feel like even when we believe we are healed and we feel that we are healed, we are still very close to that and tuned in to those things. I know that sometimes I find myself, myself personally, um, through the domestic violence I experienced, if I'm in a public place, right. I can pick up on something between couples. If it isn't right, I can immediately sense it. And it's, it's like, it's an, an instant trigger to remind me that that type of behavior still exist yes oh it's it certainly does it's not going anywhere unfortunately but what 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 needs to be is uh a global awareness so people people can know the signs know the signs when they see when it's happening some if they you know if people you know teachers can you know they should have trained you'd be training or or everyone should have everyone should i'm not saying everyone should read my book but <laughs> everyone should be aware be aware yes be aware so they can know the signs so they can do something yes. do something i mean how would my life had have been different if when i was being uh, abused as a child if my teachers or neighbors or knew the signs mm-hmm. my mother knew but she didn't do anything she didn't care that's my that was my relationship with her she didn't care she didn't want me and all this other stuff but she knew how my father was because he had a reputation for that and still she left me with him but others in the neighborhood now I, you can, I mean, there was, that was a long time ago. I'm not 26. So it was, <laughs> it was a long time ago. So the, all of this stuff was not talked about back then. It was taboo. It shoved under the table. People turn their head and pretend they didn't see stuff. It, it didn't exist, but there's no excuse today with the internet. Cause there was no internet back then. I mean, not. Yes. You're <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but it, there was there when I was a kid. I wasn't looking up stuff on Google. <laughs> there was no. no Google, um, and there was no outreach to anyone. And if there was, you were unaware of it because it wasn't made public. That is right. Know. That is right. You wouldn't know, and and, and the council is at school. I mean, I, I didn't have school councils until I got to high school. Until I got until I got to high school, I didn't have there weren't they weren't there in, in elementary and middle yes. school. Yes. They, they weren't there. But when I got to high school the first time there was a counselor. And when I, I, I spoke with her, I remember the, the counselor, she was a and then she informed and when she informed my teachers, I was like, ah, you know, I was like so embarrassed. But mm-hmm. that's what you're supposed that's what they were supposed to do. Yes. You know, that's what they're supposed to do. Well, I think 
I think teachers today are well aware of. Oh, yes. Far, far more than they ever were. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there might have been a few here and there that were mothers themselves that just had that natural instinct. Mm -hmm. But they wouldn't say anything in fear of uh, either for the child or for their job. Right. When I, I do remember when I was a teacher, as I was a teacher, an English teacher, um, in my first few years, I was being uh, I was being abused domestically in a domestic violence situation. I had a boyfriend, live in boyfriend, and uh, it was four years of abuse. And I would go to work with with uh, long sleeves to hide the bruises. No one knew no one knew until I broke down one day and started crying to one of my um colleagues. And you know, my colleague hugged me and said, I can't believe you're telling me this. Yeah. And I said, because I don't have anyone else. I don't have anyone else. I my, you know, I needed I needed help. This guy, the guy was trying to kill me. Um the what what the straw that broke the camel's back so to speak was when he was he was high as a kite and he came home and um he called me all kind of names which he did all the time anyway um and he slammed me on the bed stripped me naked got made my dog lick my breast and then he shoved a pair of dirty underwear down my throat and put his hands over my mouth and tried to suffocate me. And this, I tell you, this is when I thought I was going to really die. This was when I was like, I have to get out. You can't tell a person to get out until they realize they have to get out themselves. And many people had told me to get away from him, get away from him, get away from him. The ones that knew the others, you know, the ones that were vocal. And this was, I went in and out of, uh, in and out of consciousness. And I saw the look on his face. It was wild. It was a wild, untethered, unhinged look. Like he did not care if he, if he killed me, he did not care. And, and I remember just saying, look, spirit in my mind, I said, spirit, if, I promise if you get him off me, cause he was a big guy. If, I promise if you get him off me and let me free that I will get out, I will get out. And I'm serious. I kid you not. As soon as I said that he backed away, he just, you know, just got up. He blinked like he didn't know where he was. And I ran naked as all get out. I ran, grabbed whatever was on the floor and threw it on my body as I was running outside to my car, locked myself in the car and called the police. Yeah. Now, it's scary getting out because that person is still mad. They're going to still follow you. They're going to still try to break in your home, which is what happened. I mean, he broke in and, and was hiding in the loft and, oh, it just, you know, turned, had the electricity turned off, cut the electricity. So I went in a dark house after I came from work and I heard one creak, one creak on the floor. And I, and I, and 
you know, my, you know, my higher self was like, get out of there, get out of that house. And I ran out, went to a neighbor, called the police. And when the police came, he ran out through the sliding glass door. And I, when I lived in West Warwick here, and he's ran out through a sliding glass door into the woods where the cops chased him into the woods and they weren't, they weren't able to get him that time. Uh, but, you know, he kept being captured and released because his name was still on the, you know, that he lived there and I had to have that changed so he could be put away, which mm -hmm. ended up happening. And, and even back then the, mm -hmm. the support, like with the attorney, the, the state, the, the the advocacy wasn't even there wasn't enough like like today no. there's all sorts of advocacy there's no excuse but then and it was only in the 90s uh the late 90s early 2000 because i started teaching when i in 1998 to 2009 and there there wasn't even the advocacy for survivors wasn't even there. You didn't know about it. And if it were, it was so very little. And it, to me, I with, with this, I felt that they catered to the perpetrator because he was, uh, you know, not a citizen and everything. They catered, they, I felt that they catered to him and I was looked at as I felt like I had done something wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we need people on this, the state federal levels to continue to advocate, to continue to make available programs and make it easy access. So survivors know what steps to take when they need help because, and, and to not blame them, you know, feeling, I mean, all my life I felt a blame for something. I really felt a that I was the blame for, for what happened to me because that's the way society made you, made me feel. Yes. Yes. So if you had, um, are there any, takeaways that you would like to offer to my listeners today who may be facing this type of adversity in their life mm -hmm. i i have so much to say but i'm narrowing down number one it is never your fault you cannot control the actions of another person violence is not an excuse. Vi there is no excuse for violence. No excuse for violence. I don't care what you did or what you think you may have did or said, because we always blame ourselves. Um, you don't deserve to have violence, to, to be a victim of violence. You don't deserve to be abused. Yes. And exactly. And there are oodles of resources today. Oodles. Just go on the internet. And, and they even have, um, if you go on certain sites, like dark screen and ways to protect you so that if your abuser is in the house with you, they can't 
go back and 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 try to find the the web address or something like like that. I'm not quite sure how to explain it, but they but I know that certain sites on the internet that are for survivors, they have ways of protecting you so no one can find out that you are on that site. Mm. And they also have dark screens and all this, all this, these things like that to protect hand, you. Hand signals uh, for those who can't get access to a phone or internet. That is correct. Uh, so many different things that are happening today that is being put forward for those. Yes. Yes. Need of help. Yes. And it's, it's everywhere. Yes. It's everywhere, and it's spoken. It is more spoken about today. And remember, you can get out. You can get out, and it's going to be hard afterwards. You'll feel like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have. I and you want to, you want to think about going back, but um, you can get out. There, Absolutely. are there is lightness. There is light. I want to ask you, what is your favorite quote or saying? Oh, I have my, I have one, but it, it probably it doesn't really uh it doesn't apply to this. But I I have that love love is my religion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, That's, it's also a song, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we will be sharing your book and your links with our audience in this podcast uh, and I want you listeners I want you to know that Candace will also be spotlighted in October's 2022 BF magazine be sure to stop by and read her spotlight that will be filled with all of her social media and websites and her books and amazing information more about her um, and we want to say thank you Candace. Thank you for sharing your amazing story of survival, your determination, and all with us. As always, it's been such a pleasure having you as our guest. And I'm always excited to see what you're up to next. So we will have, have you come back on soon. And I just want you to know that we thank you for being a part of this podcast. My pleasure. My mm-hmm. pleasure. What an amazing lady today. Candace resides in Barrington, Rhode Island with her loving family, consisting of her devoted husband, two very talented and creative children, and their two loving mystical cats. Now <laughs> we can, have three. <laughs> now we have three. <laughs> but you can always find Candace Nadine Breen and all of her social media sites and websites as well and books at CandiceNadineBreen.com or on LinkedIn.com. We will post all of her links below. Be sure to stop by and visit Candace and see all of her amazing things, all the amazing things that she does in service to others. And all of us here at Be A Pet Podcast wish you a great rest of your week, Candace, and a great weekend. Thank we you. We love you. We love you too. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners for joining us here. It is always a pleasure to have you visit us here at Be A Podcast. Be sure to join us tomorrow or later this evening, excuse me, later this evening when we speak with Miss Sherry Wurgler, who is also a child abuse survivor, a child abuse survivor of the occult.
Be sure to like, share, and subscribe so you never miss another amazing episode. And happy fall, everyone. Until we speak again, much love and light, my beautiful friends. Resources for Victims and Survivors of Domestic Violence, National Crisis and Organization and Assistance. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. 1-800-799-7233. National Dating Abuse Helpline is 1-866-331-9474. That is 1-866-331-9474. National Child Abuse Hotline and Child Health is 1-800-4-A-CHILD. 1-800-422-4453. That is 1-800-422-4453. Americans Overseas Domestic Violence Crisis Center is an internationally toll-free 24-7. It's 1-800-US-WOMEN. That's 1-866-US-WOMEN. 1-866-879-6636. And again, thank you for joining us here on Be Your Podcast.